one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This podcast contains violence, adult themes, and material that may be disturbing to some listeners. Listener discretion is strongly advised. True North True Crime is produced on the traditional, ancestral, and unceded territory of the Squamish, Musqueam, and tsleil nations. The life of a ranch worker is not for everyone. In this day of modern conveniences and technology, not all people are suited for the hard work, long hours, and loneliness that comes with life on the range. For some people, this work is truly a calling. The opportunity to work with your hands and your physical strength, to ride your horse on landscapes that seem to belong only in movies. There is pride among ranchers. There is purpose, there is honor, but there is also danger. In the early morning hours of Monday, January 28, 2019, a riderless, fully tacked horse was found wandering alone on the side of a logging road outside of Merritt, British Columbia. This discovery would lead to more questions than answers. This is the disappearance of Ben Tyner, and this is True North True Crime. Welcome to episode 11 of True North True Crime. As always, we want to start off by thanking you for listening to the podcast and for the positive reviews on Apple. We have been getting a lot of emails with kind words about the podcast and also a lot of case suggestions. We thank everyone who has reached out so far and we hope we've gotten back to everyone. If you want to say hi or shoot us a suggestion, you can do so at truenorthtruecrime at gmail.com or you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at TNTCPod. Yeah, and if we have any listeners from Nunavut uh, who have any information on the Jason Killebuck uh, missing person case, uh, we'd love to hear from you too. In this episode, we're going to be talking about the disappearance of Ben Tyner, a ranch manager working in the Nicola Valley in British Columbia. Now, this case garnered a lot of attention in Canada and the United States, but as the investigation has shifted a little bit, we seem to have noticed a major drop-off in coverage and information coming out. 
This is probably due to law enforcement being more tight-lipped about the details. So we wanted to help amplify this case as Ben is still a missing person. Before we get into this episode, we want to give Ben's details out first. At the time of his disappearance, Ben Tyner was a 32-year-old Caucasian man living in Merritt, British Columbia. He is 6 foot 4, 230 pounds. He has brown eyes and brown hair with a beard. He was last seen in the area of the Nicola Ranch around January 26, 2019. In order to put this episode together, we are using publicly available news articles as well as some verified posts from the Missing Ben Tyner Facebook group. Although we tried to reach out to Ben's family before this episode, we were unsuccessful in reaching the family spokesperson. It's an understatement to say this, but Ben's family is dealing with a lot at this time. He is a son and brother, as well as a well-respected member of the international ranching community. Here is what we know about Ben Tyner. Ben Tyner was born in Florida to his mom, Jennifer, and his dad, Richard. He also has a younger brother named Jack. It seems that they still have family ties in the Kissimmee area to this day. Around 1999, when Ben was still a kid, his parents bought a ranch and moved the family to Wyoming. They started to build a herd that has now grown to about 100 cattle. So even though Ben was a child of the 90s, having been born in 1987, he was drawn towards the cowboy lifestyle. So since he was a kid, Ben had always been around livestock, animals, and working farms. His uncle Larry recalls, To be a cowboy, that's all he wanted to do. Ben graduated from Cheyenne Central High School in Cheyenne, Wyoming. According to his Facebook page, he considers Laramie, Wyoming home. Laramie is about an hour away from Cheyenne. After high school, Ben studied animal production at Tarleton State University in Texas. From there, Ben went on to work as a cowboy at the San Cristobal Ranch in New Mexico and the Square Butte Grazing Association in Montana. A unique opportunity showed itself to Ben in 2011 when he became the ranch manager at the Bryansk Meat Company in Bryansk, Oblast, Russia. This contract would see him making multiple trips back and forth between the United States and Russia between 2011 and 2013. After his job in Russia, he would acquire the position of farm manager for the Texas A&M University's Agriculture Program in Commerce, Texas. He also held a position as a range rider for the Wild Horse Cattle Association in Mackey, Idaho. Before his move to British Columbia in 2018, he lived on his family's Wyoming ranch and became the caretaker of the operation after his father suffered an injury. His dream was one day to have his own ranch and be able to implement his way of doing things and possibly come up with new ideas and ways to make the cattle industry better than ever. First and foremost, Ben loved his family and the life he had chosen as a cowboy. When not working on ranches, Ben had a love of leather work. His most recent Instagram posts featured some of his leather work, including custom shotgun leggings made from water buffalo hide and a 10-foot bullwhip. Just needs to be waxed and treated, and it's ready to go, he wrote. If there's anyone who embodies the cowboy archetype, rugged and dependable, it's Ben Tyner, friends and family say. When he's not riding horses or gathering cattle, Tyner is usually busy making custom chaps, spurs, and whips. He wouldn't have it any other way. It's his passion, says Jason DeBerard, a family friend in Laramie, Wyoming. He's a true American cowboy. He's a very fine young man. 
quiet and reserved, very mannerly, a little shy, but takes real pride in what he does. Yeah, Jason said that Tyner never hesitated to lend a helping hand to neighbors back home. Anytime you need Ben to gather cows or brand cows, or if you needed him with a horse trailer, he'd stop whatever he was doing and help somebody. A solid, strong guy. So it seems Ben was always eager to learn, and he jumped at the opportunity to work in British Columbia. Deberard also said, Who wouldn't want to go to a big cattle ranch in Canada? A new horizon, a new way of seeing things. Outside of ranching and leather work, Ben is described by his family as a man who loved to travel. He's been to South Africa, the Bahamas, and Australia. He had also traveled extensively throughout the United States, as we kind of said during his resume portion. He loved to read, and he was a history buff. On January 11, 2019, just two weeks before he went missing, Ben Tyner was actually interviewed by Global News. There had been a series of arson fires in Merritt, which included the burning of a very historic church. Yeah, so I'm going to quote from the interview with Ben Tyner, and you get a feel for who he is. The Crossroads Community Church on Vaught Street suffered some damage, but the 143-year-old Murray United Church north of Merritt was completely destroyed, reduced to a pile of ashes. Well, it's tragic, really, Tyner told Global News on a cool, overcast day with snow partially covering the ground, puffs of smoke rising from the burned-out remains of the church in the background. The church had been a landmark here for well over a hundred years. It's been part of the community, continued Tyner. I know I'm not from here. I didn't grow up around it. But I know a lot of people that did. This morning, it's been very upsetting. It's definitely a tragic loss. It was a historic point for this area. It was just one of the oldest churches in BC, to my understanding. A senseless act and a very tragic and irreplaceable loss. Asked what he would say to the arsonist, Tyner gave a horse sense response. I don't know that I'd, I don't know that he would warrant any of my time to comment to. I don't think anyone that would stoop that low would be worth talking to. Yeah, so you really get a sense of Ben uh, from that very short article. He clearly has like a high moral standard. Mm -hmm. So that's an overview of what we know about Ben. So let's move on to Merritt, British Columbia. Merritt is the city that Ben moved to to work on the Nicola Ranch. And Merritt is a city in the Nicola Valley of the south-central interior of British Columbia. It is about a three-and-a-half-hour drive northeast of Vancouver, and it's situated between the Nicola and the Coldwater Rivers. Merritt is on the traditional and unceded territory of the Inklakupma and Silch First Nations. This acknowledgement includes the Lower Nicola Indian Band, the city developed in 1893, but was not named Merritt until 1906. The town is known for agriculture, ranching, logging, and tourism. The valley sits in stark contrast to the lush rainforest and snow-capped mountains of the rest of British Columbia. Merritt and this area is more similar to the landscapes of Idaho and Utah, more arid and dry with a desert feel, but with grasslands that stretch out to the horizon. It's a really beautiful place. Yeah, whenever we travel up the Coquihalla and through Merritt, I'm always struck by the stark beauty of the place. Actually, a lot of movies have been shot there, too. In fact, the upcoming feature, Jurassic World Dominion, has recently resumed being shot there after being paused due to COVID. Merritt has a population of about 8,000 people. 
But for many years, people would flock to the town of Merritt for the Merritt Mountain Music Festival, thus giving the town the moniker the country music capital of Canada. It is the first major community encountered when traveling north along the Coquihalla Highway and acts as the gateway to all other major highways to the British Columbia interior. Yeah, if you've ever needed to stop to use the restroom while heading up Highway 5, you've definitely been to Merritt. As we mentioned, ranching is big in Merritt. There are a number of very big cattle ranches in the area. This includes the Douglas Lake Ranch, which is considered the largest privately owned cattle ranch in Canada. The Douglas Ranch is over 700 acres with approximately 200,000 cattle. Yeah, apparently it's owned by the billionaire who owns the Denver Nuggets NBA team. In the fall of 2018, Ben Tyner took a job as a ranch manager at the nearby Nicola Ranch. Let's talk about what we know with regards to the Nicola Ranch. So as we mentioned, the Douglas Ranch is the largest privately owned cattle ranch in Canada. Now, the Nicola Ranch is considered to be in the top 10 of size for privately owned ranches. I've heard anywhere from second largest to third Mm -hmm. and beyond. However, getting information on the ranch proved to be kind of difficult. They have a website that doesn't work and two Facebook pages that are rarely updated. It seems that aside from cattle farming and other agricultural type services, the ranch also offers tourism and gift store type services. Uh, I've even seen some posts online of working on the ranch as kind of a fun um, vacation or... So they offer like, a, like, it's like a dude ranch that you can go and visit, like a guest ranch type of thing? Yeah, yeah. Well, they don't market very well if their website doesn't work. Yeah, it's it, every time I tried to load the website, it would be like 404. Through some Google sleuthing, we've learned that the vice president of the ranch is a John Liu. There is also a John Liu listed as the vice president and secretary and member of the board of directors of the Coquihalla Developments Corporation. John Liu is also listed as a participant on the Nicola Lake Action Plan in 2013. Yeah, it seemed like there was a, the Nicola Lake Action Plan was a, a group of stakeholders in the area, including other ranchers and the province and stuff like that. They were looking to develop the area in around Nicola Lake, as well as bring it up to standards for the modern day. Also listed in this committee is a Matt Williams, who we believe was the former ranch manager at Nicola Ranch. We will talk about Matt Williams later on. In court documents filed in 2013, the Liu family is cited as the owners of the Nicola Ranch. So there are a couple of other things that we want to discuss about the Nicola Ranch, but we'll do that later in the episode. But for now, we want to focus on the fact that the ranch is big, it's in merit, And in the fall of 2018, Ben Tyner took a position of ranch manager at the Nicola Ranch. So Ben packed up his three horses and two dogs, hooked up his truck and trailer, and headed north to Canada for a new chapter in what was already a pretty cool and interesting life. For three months, Ben worked hard at learning his new position, and he quickly became a part of the community in Merritt. It is believed that Ben had a home on the Nicola Ranch property as a part of his salary negotiation which is not uncommon for workers who uh, work on ranches to have lodgings on the space. And when you look at a map of the Nicola Ranch, there is one area that is clearly the ranch house business part. And then there's another point on the map that is the housing area. And I I don't know 100% where Ben lived, but I assume he lived in that group of housing. 
In an Instagram post dated November 3rd, 2018, Ben shared a stunning photo of the Nicola Ranch from a distance. The caption read, Need to learn a bunch of new range? Try a 58-kilometer ride. Got a nice view of my new home, too. According to Ben's family, he was extremely excited for the opportunity to work at the Nicola Ranch and put a stamp on it. Everything seemed to be going well. So what went wrong? At 5.30 a.m. on Monday, January 28, 2019, a group of forest industry workers found a riderless horse on the side of a logging road near Swakam Ridge. Although it was not unusual to find wild horses in this general area, this was different. This was a working horse. The loggers reached out to a local tracker by the name of Kim Robinson, and he arrived and he was able to get the horse into a trailer. Within a few hours, the local ranching community and the RCMP were notified. By around 12.30, local ranchers were able to identify and verify that this horse belonged to Ben Tyner. Confirmation would come later that day from the Nicola Ranch that Ben Tyner was in fact missing. But to be clear, no one from the ranch had reported him missing. Ben had weekends off, so he was not expected at work on Saturday or Sunday, but he was expected to work on Monday, the day his horse was found. It was rumored that Ben had stated to his colleagues earlier in the previous week that he was possibly going to look for stray cattle. However, it had not been verified that he meant, I am going to go look for strays this weekend on my days off. It was also initially confirmed that Ben had been last seen at 2 p.m. on Saturday, January 26th. It has never been released where he was last seen or in what context, but we can assume it was in Merritt and in the area of the Nicola Ranch where he was calling home. So this narrows down our timeline a little. He was seen on Saturday at 2 p.m. and his horse was found at 5.30 a.m. on Monday. So this is what we know about the condition of the horse when it was found. The horse had no injuries whatsoever. It did not show signs of an animal attack. It also did not have spur marks in its side. No spur marks would indicate that the horse did not attempt to buck Ben off. The only damage to the perfect rigging on the horse was a missing rein. This is a quote about how Kim Robinson found the horse. Uh, Kim was the tracker who identified and captured the horse. So this is a quote from a local newspaper about his experience of finding it. So he said he found the, the riderless, saddled horse on Monday morning. As we said, it was missing a rein, but otherwise had good rigging on it. The horse was a bit spooked, but he managed to calm it down and tie it to a tree. He then went and fetched other local ranchers who later brought it back to town and confirmed it did indeed belong to Ben Tyner. Tammy Strea, the office manager at the Nicola Ranch, made the following observations about the horse. Strea stated that Tyner's horse returned in good condition with nothing to indicate that it had been attacked. Something might have scared it, but there's no blood, no spur marks, no scratches. It's his horse, and it's a gentle horse, Strea said. So we do know that the horse was missing one of its reins, but we will talk more about the missing rein later in the episode. At this point... We have a discovered horse and a missing cowboy. Let's get into the searches for Ben Tyner after a quick break. 
Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. And we are back. So let's talk about the searches for Ben and what, if anything, was learned. Police and emergency responders went into immediate action. Finding a riderless horse was very concerning. January was particularly cold that year, so everyone wanted to find Ben and bring him home as soon as possible. The basic assumption everyone was working on was that Ben had somehow gotten separated from his horse and maybe injured or lost somewhere. Here is a quote from the National Post about the initial search. Search and rescue teams include crews from the Nicola Valley, Kamloops, Shuswap, Central Okanagan, Penticton, Princeton, Logan Lake, Chilliwack, and Surrey. Police say nearly 40 search and rescue members were on site Monday evening along with dog services, snowmobiles, and air support. We've had tremendous support from search and rescue teams across the province, Merritt RCMP Constable Tracy Dunsmore said. Dunsmore said it was very unusual for a seasoned cowboy to be separated from his horse. The article continues. Police say drones are being deployed, as well as help from numerous ranchers on horseback, staff from a lumber mill, and the Lower Nicola Indian Band. Police added that due to active logging and herds of wild horses, Finding the man's tracks have been hindered. Members of the public are being asked not to participate in searching as it may interfere in search and rescue efforts. However, if anyone has any information or may have seen a man riding in the Swakam Bridge area north of Merritt on Saturday or Sunday, they're asked to contact the RCMP in Merritt. By the end of the first day, searchers did not find Ben. As a result, the search continued throughout the week. Here's an article from Radio NL 610 AM. Merritt RCMP Constable Tracy Dunsmore says the search began Monday afternoon not long after a horse with a saddle was found near Mammoth Lake towards Logan Lake. It is believed that he rode out from the ranch and headed out to the hills north of Merritt. It's a large area to cover, Dunsmore says. In hindsight, the owner of the horse was on his days off, so he wasn't expected to be at work and he hadn't told anybody he was going out. We're unclear at this point whether he had ridden out on Saturday night or Sunday afternoon, or even what his destination was. Jen Stan with the Kamloops Search and Rescue would say the following. The main area we've been looking at is Swakam Ridge, which is quite a large area north of Merritt. I anticipate a large amount of the searching will occur in that same area again. So it's kind of odd. The the original working theory was that Ben had rode out on horseback from the ranch. But then the RCMP started to believe that maybe someone with a truck and horse trailer had driven him up to the ridge, and they began to ask people in the community 
who had driven him up there. Here's a quote. There is still some question as to how he got up here and whether someone drove him up with a truck and trailer, said Merritt RCMP spokesperson Constable Tracy Dunsmore. We haven't located that person yet, so we are looking for that information. The RCMP are also asking for people to search their dash cams for any evidence of a truck and trailer making its way into the Swacom Ridge area. So we found this part a little bit confusing. The RCMP won't say why they believe he was driven up to Swacom Ridge. The only thing we can guess is that the terrain around Swacom Ridge is too challenging for a day ride up there from the Nicola Ranch side. And also, it's, it's good for anyone listening to this episode to keep in mind that there are tunnels and underpasses and livestock fencing all over in this area specifically. Uh, it's, it's a way for moving cattle more efficiently. The area is also flanked on two sides by two pretty busy highways. One of them is the Coquihalla, which is a major artery, and the other is 97C. So all of that, coupled with the naturally challenging terrain, can make going from A to B very difficult, especially alone on a horse in January. So as the searches continued, Ben's family arrived to help in the search. Ben's parents went up in a helicopter to survey the area. Ben's brother Jack, a professional rodeo rider, went out on horseback with Ben's dogs. It was at this point that Jack would find the broken rein, believed to be from Ben's horse, lying on the ground. Again, we will talk more about the rain in a bit. The Tyner family would say the following at an emotional press conference. This is his brother Jack speaking. I have difficulty finding words to express the sadness and loss our family is feeling. When I look at what Ben accomplished during his short time here, I'm blown away. He touched so many lives on his way to accomplishing his dreams. That is truly amazing. His laughter will never ring through our home again. His strong handshake, bear hug, and his deep voice are gone, and my family still has no answers, no closure. My family and I are asking for your help. If you have any information, anything that could help us find Ben, we would be forever grateful. Two days earlier, Ben's brother posted an emotional message to Facebook, sharing no specific details other than a memory of his last ride with Ben before the move to Merritt. The post describes Tyner as being loving, selfless, educated, devoted, hardworking, kind, strong, tough, and talented. I can't express the sadness and loss I feel over this. I don't have the words. I try to find comfort in the fact that the range he is riding up above is more beautiful than any of us can imagine. Everything every cowboy dreams of. One day, I pray to God... I will get to join him and ride with him once more. God could not have a better cowboy to watch his herd. You were such a huge inspiration in my life, and you are forever in my heart. I know you will protect, guide, and watch over us all. It was a privilege to ride with you, big brother. So it's clear here that um, some pretty hard realities are setting in for the Tyner family. They, they've been a part of searches, they've looked all over, and they haven't found any sign of their son and brother. After seven days of searching, the search would be postponed because of weather. And sadly, the Tyner family would have to head back to Wyoming without Ben. Mm -hmm. Here's a quote from the Merritt Herald. Tyner's family, who still live in Wyoming, traveled to Merritt and took part in searches for two weeks before returning home. Ben's mother, Jen Tyner, said, 
The first two weeks after Ben went missing, we were in Merritt assisting with the search and helping with the authorities. Due to the winter weather, the search was called off after a week. Sadly, we had to pack Ben's belongings and bring his truck and trailer back to Wyoming, as well as his three horses and two dogs. She adds that the RCMP have kept her updated with the case and any new leads that may develop. Since returning home, we have been in weekly contact with the RCMP. They are still actively working Ben's case. Our Wyoming Senator, Mike Enzi, has been very helpful in getting the FBI and State Department involved in assisting the RCMP. So this thing has now become an international case. You know, and there are a lot of eyes on Ben Tyner as a missing person. There was one significant change to the investigation. The RCMP announced that they now believed Ben went missing on Sunday instead of Saturday afternoon. Apparently, they know where he was Saturday night, but the details were not released. Here is an excerpt from CFJC Radio. At this point, RCMP say they have determined Tyner would have likely left on Sunday. However, it's still not known how he got into the backcountry. We now know of his whereabouts on Saturday night, so that gives us an extra day. We are still looking at how he may have gone up there, because we're still thinking that maybe he was driven up. So we don't know who would have driven him up, or if there's anybody out there that maybe brought him up with a truck and trailer. And we're still looking for that person if that did happen. So now we know that Ben went missing on Sunday, and his horse was found at 5.30 a.m. on Monday, January 28th. So that gives us a 24-hour window. So searches would continue on and off during the winter and then resume in the spring. And these were massive searches. From reading posts on the Missing Ben Tyner Facebook page, it is clear that people came from all around to help. Arrangements were made throughout the area to accommodate the amount of people and searchers and horses uh, that descended on the Nicola Valley to aid in the effort. The logistics were challenging, but the Nicola Valley community found ways to make it work. But no more evidence was found. And neither was Ben. This would spawn some criticism from Kim Robinson, the tracker who had identified Ben's horse. So we've mentioned Kim Robinson a few times, and he's a pretty interesting guy. He's a local hunter and tracker uh, who tracked down Alan Schoenborn when Alan was at large for nine days back in 2008. Alan was wanted for brutally stabbing his three children, and Kim Robinson captured him in a wooded area near Merritt. So Kim kind of knows his stuff. He had this to say about the search for Ben. I told search and rescue up there, don't waste your time and energy looking in this direction because a horse did not come from the Nicola Ranch side of the mountain. There is no sign of Tyner coming from the ranch, Robinson stressed. But now I think they believe me because that horse would had to have flown from Nicola Ranch to get where I found him without leaving a track. I would say it's almost 100% impossible for anybody to leave that ranch and try and hide their tracks and be successful. So from the outset of this investigation, Ben was considered a missing person, possibly an accident or it was possible that he got lost. But in the spring of 2019, RCMP would make a pretty significant announcement. They would state that the Ben Tyner disappearance did in fact involve criminality. 
Here is a quote from the Globe and Mail. Sergeant Choyette says early on investigators required assistance from major crime detectives, but until this week, police had said there was no indication of foul play. Now, having had the opportunity to review all of the pieces, we believe that the circumstances surrounding Mr. Tyner's disappearance may involve criminality. The RCMP would not reveal further details, but they said that the latest announcement reinvigorates the investigation. On May 24th, a family member posted the following to the Facebook group. Ben did not take his phone, nor his dog, nor did he tell anyone that he was going out for a ride, other than days earlier when it was mentioned that he would be going out looking for stray cattle. This action was not typical of Ben to leave and not tell someone. Since this has happened, RCMP have deemed the case suspicious and it may involve criminality. They feel Ben did not leave on his own accord. This case has been turned over to the Special Major Crimes Unit out of Kelowna. Investigation has centered around the ranch itself. The investigation is still very much active, even though we as a group feel it's not. And they're just saying here that it feels like everything's moving incredibly slow. Uh, They're not saying that they feel like the investigation was halted. Okay, so that's been a bunch of information. So let's go ahead and get into what we know and what we don't know. So from this post and other family posts on the Missing Ben Tyner Facebook page, we have gathered the following information. Ben did not bring his phone with him. And we know that Ben did not bring any firearms with him. Ben left his truck and horse trailer at home. Ben did not bring any of his dogs with him. And this is odd as at least one of his dogs, Sue, would have been with him if he was looking for stray cattle. We know that Ben's horse did not have any injuries, and we know that the horse was fully kitted for a rider. It was wearing Ben's saddle and gear. We know that one rein was broken and that it was discovered by Jack Tyner. And just a quick word about the broken rein. The rein could have been broken because Ben was bucked off. It could have been broken because the horse was tied to a tree and pulled free from the tree breaking the rain. Or it could have been broken because the horse had been walking or running by itself and it could have walked over and snapped and, it and snapped it on its own as a riderless horse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, and we know that the RCMP feel confident that Ben left his home on Sunday morning, not on Saturday. We know that the RCMP now believe that his disappearance involves criminality. Now here's what we don't know. We don't know if Ben left his home on his own accord. We don't know if Ben was ever with his horse. We don't know if Ben was with anyone. We also can't say with any certainty that Ben left to go look for stray cattle. We don't know how Ben's horse got onto the logging road near Swacom Ridge. Yeah, so out of all of the searches and publicly revealed aspects of the investigation, we only know that Ben's horse was found and Ben has not been. So we find in cases like this, it's always good to look at the victimology of the missing person, to look at the factors that may lead someone into foul play. Were there any obvious risky behaviors that the person exhibited? Now, the thing about Ben is we just don't really see it. So Ben was a hardworking guy. Uh, He had traveled to many states and countries, including Canada and Russia. These are countries that require work visas with criminal record checks. So that means that Ben did not have any record or any connection to crime. He was not a drug user. He was not a man of anger. He didn't fly off the handle and start fights with people. 
From what we gather, Ben did not have any massive debts. He was a man of faith, and he had incredibly close ties to his family. He had become a productive and well-liked member of the rancher community in Merritt. He did not appear to be in a relationship at the time of his disappearance. So as most people know who listen to true crime podcasts, it is often relationships, sex, drugs, money, or power that lead people into problematic situations. So for us, this is why Ben Tyner's disappearance is so strange. We just don't see any of those issues in what we know about his public-facing life. So we're going to go through some of our theories as to what may have happened to Ben Tyner after a quick break. And we are back. As we go through our theories, we want to be mindful that a family is missing their son, so we will go through these with a high amount of respect and mindfulness. So normally with a missing person's case, we would explore theories of self-harm, random accidents, or that the person has willfully chosen to go off the grid. However, because the RCMP have publicly stated that Ben's case is considered suspicious and may involve criminality, we're going to skip those theories at this time. So the first thing we want to try and figure out is the mechanisms that may have led to Ben leaving his home. This is important to figure out what Sunday looked like. So the first three mechanisms we're going to focus on are how rather than why. And then after that, we can look into the reasons why. So the first mechanism we want to explore is that Ben indeed left his house on his own accord. So the original working theory is that Ben went out to find strays. However, it was odd that he would do this on his day off, and it was odd that he wouldn't tell anyone he was doing it, except for a brief conversation he had earlier in the week in which he stated that it was something he may do at some point. We know Ben is considered to have gone missing on Sunday. So in the strays theory, Ben left his home on Sunday morning to find strays. So we say he left in the morning because the sunset on January 27, 2019 in Merritt was at 4.47 p.m. So we are assuming if Ben left his home to find stray cattle, he would have wanted an early start to the day. No one's going to want to go look for cows in the dark. Yeah, if he started at 2 o'clock, he would only have two hours to go yeah. out and come back. In this theory, Ben would wake up in his home, get ready to head out onto the range, and then he would get his horse geared up and ready to go. As we said, Ben had two dogs. One of those dogs was named Sue, and he often rode on the range with her. But on this day, he chose to leave Sue at home. He would also choose to leave his cell phone behind. Now, we know that he is a cowboy, and he may not need his phone with him all the time. But it is clear from his Instagram post that he did bring his phone with him on other rides. So, Ben would then leave his home and head out on what Kim Robinson would state was a near-impossible ride up the Swakam Ridge. At some point on this ride, Ben would meet with foul play, causing him to be separated from his horse. So in the second mechanism, we will go with what the RCMP speculated, which was that Ben was given a drive up to Swakam Ridge. We know that Ben's truck and horse trailer are still at the ranch. So in this mechanism, a third unknown person came over to Ben's home loaded his horse, and drove him up to the ridge. Then the person left Ben to ride back to the ranch uh, while he was looking for strays on the way. 
Then at some point, Ben was separated from his horse. So this friend helping Ben to go up to the, the Swakam Ridge would have been a consensual, like, pre-set-up um, arrangement. Yeah, like, hey, can you give me a ride up here? Yeah. So in order for this theory to be accurate or to work, that would mean that after almost a year, this mysterious driver has not come forward to tell authorities that they indeed drove Ben up to the ridge, which is super unlikely if it was a consensual drive by a friend. Yeah, and there's only 9,000 people in Merritt. Yeah. You know, and everybody knows that this happened. So Mm -hmm. who arranged to drive him up and why would they not come forward to say, yeah, I, I drove him up there? Yeah, if they weren't involved directly with Ben's disappearance. So that brings us to the third mechanism that would get Ben away from his home. So the third mechanism would be that Ben was met with foul play in his home or in or around his home. So on the ranch. Yeah. Something happened and Ben was taken from his home against his will and then his horse was planted on the ridge to make it appear like an accident. So these are the three mechanisms that we are speculating on with regards to how or if Ben left his home. So number one being he left on his own accord. Number two being he left consensually with a friend. Or number three, he did not leave his home on his own accord and was met with foul play directly on the ranch. Now let's look into why a person like Ben may have met with foul play. Let's call these theories rather than mechanisms. So let's start with the ranch theory. The ranch business is really competitive and it's a challenging business to be successful in. And often that results in... Feathers being rustled. The nearby Douglas Lake Ranch has been in a major legal battle for years after the billionaire owner blocked access to provincial property claiming it as his own, thus restricting fishermen and um, hunters from using the land. Now, just to reiterate, that was the Douglas Lake Ranch, not the Nicola Ranch. I just wanted to highlight that for a sec that, you know, lawsuits fly around Mm -hmm. in the ranching business. However, the Nicola Ranch was in a lawsuit with a neighboring ranch in 2013. Apparently, the bulls from the Nicola Ranch were escaping and mating with the neighbor's cows. That's a funny thing to yeah, someone over. The news article was titled, Looking for Love in All the Wrong Places. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. So the Nicola Ranch in 2017 was also involved in some staffing cutbacks after a decision to cut hay production on the ranch Uh, led to nine people being laid off. That's so crazy that like, like a small cutback like that, nine people lost their livelihoods. But they they did kind of fix it though. But uh, these layoffs occurred less than a year before Ben arrived at the ranch and they caused some people to take out their frustrations on social media. Um, So I was reading an article about the the layoffs Mm -hmm. and you know how there's not comments on Facebook, but on the article itself. So there was some anonymous kind of comments. And I know that they carry the weight of an anonymous comment, but I thought thought they were interesting. So here's some of the comments that I saw. Quote, after 25 years, I find myself now unemployed with no idea of where to turn to next. Is anybody in need of a reliable equipment operator or a class three truck driver? Another comment was, John Liu lost face with the men. Shame on you, John. There is much more to this story than is being reported. So the Nicola Ranch quickly made a deal with another company to employ five of the nine who were laid off. Here's a quote from the Merritt Herald. This week, 
the ranch struck a deal with Bradner R. Farms from Ashcroft to take over the duties of growing and harvesting the hay for 2017. As a result, five of the nine people that were let go have got their jobs back, Nicola Ranch General Manager Matt Williams told the Herald. Yeah, so it appears that they fixed the immediate problem. So they laid some people off and then they got some people back. It just sounds like business. So it would appear that there were cash flow issues at the ranch. I don't think this is uncommon, though. Mm -hmm. You know, this isn't criminal. There's just cash flow issues. Uh, And Matt Williams would eventually move on from the Nicola Ranch in 2018. And like we said earlier, he was the ranch manager in 2012. So he was there for at least seven years. Now, we are in absolutely no way implying that the Liu family and the previous managers had anything to do with Ben's disappearance. All we are trying to convey is that the ranch business is very competitive and at times heavily litigious. Uh, Employees are fired, management changes, and cash flow decisions can be made that affect employees and their livelihoods. These sorts of decisions can have a major impact on a small community, though. Yeah, and all it takes is like one bad grow year for major changes to occur at a farm yeah. or like a ranch, like one bad crop yeah, and they have to lay a bunch of people off. So it's an a incredibly bad, A bad winter, a too hot yeah. summer. Like, yeah, it's tough. So in this ranch theory, the idea is that Ben met with foul play because of something to do with the ranch. So cash flow problems or whatever. Maybe this looks like a disgruntled former or current employee or supplier. Maybe someone took issue with having a new boss maybe a neighbor. Yeah, this theory is plausible because money, competition, and hurt pride can often set people off. However, the timeline is really, really tight. For this theory to make sense, Ben would have to have upset someone so severely in just three months. And that is not in his nature from what we've uncovered. So again, this is just a theory that maybe Ben's disappearance had something to do with the ranch or his job. Again, We are not saying that any one person did this, and we are not implying the owner or former management had anything to do with it. We simply wanted to illustrate that issues have occurred at the ranch in the past. People have come and gone. People have been fired and rehired. Unpopular cash flow decisions have been made that affected the community and the workers, and clearly Ben was brought in to bring some new vision and oversight to the ranch. However, These issues happen in all industry. So the question is, does this result in foul play? So let's leave this theory and move on to the next one. Another theory is the arsonist theory. In an earlier article, we read Ben's rightfully critical response to the senseless arsons in Merritt. We've seen it speculated online that maybe this had something to do with Ben's disappearance, meaning that perhaps the arsonist took out revenge on Ben for speaking out or speaking his mind, which Mm -hmm. he is free to do. So this theory is not very plausible because the arsonist was arrested. Here's a quote from a Global News article eight days before Ben went missing. August David Caprian, 37, of Merritt, remains in custody and is facing three charges of arson along with a charge of break and enter with intent to commit an offense. Court records show that he has a prior criminal record for theft under $5,000, assault, and break and enter. Two churches in Merritt, including the historic 143-year-old Murray United Church, were set on fire early last Friday. 
RCMP said they later learned of two other churches in nearby Shulis that showed signs of arson. So the man arrested uh, August was released on bail on January 20th. And he would have been released, you know, with some pretty heavy conditions on him, I imagine. But it still is in the time frame of when Ben went missing. Yeah, he would have been released from jail six days prior to Ben going missing. Yeah. So he was free. Yeah. So aside from some articles around uh, trial scheduling, it seems like the rest of this case is under a publication ban or something because there's not a lot of info out there. And this is regarding the arsonist. Yeah. Like his trial. Okay. Yeah. So... I don't know what else to say about this theory. Uh, personally, while the church fires are horrible, I don't see how they tie in with Ben's case besides it being a coincidence that Ben was the person interviewed by the local news. Yeah, so let's move on from this. The next theory makes sense on a base level, but there isn't much evidence at this time. So this theory is that Ben came across something or uncovered something. And when we say something, we mean either an illegal operation, some kind of malfeasance, or possibly an illegal act against another person. Yeah, so basically this theory suggests that Ben was in the wrong place at the wrong time, or possibly through his own diligence, uncovered something that someone didn't want him or anyone to know. And that this is maybe why uh, RCMP were prompted to suggest foul play. Yeah, what is interesting to me is that this theory I can lean towards. I, like, I feel strongly towards this theory, but it's the theory that has the least amount of evidence at this point. Yeah, but I, I, the other two just seem so far-fetched to me. Yeah. Like this one, I'm like, oh, yeah, like maybe he, maybe there's some sketchy shit going on at the ranch and then... Or outside of the ranch in the community or yeah. something like that. You know, it's just, it's just, he stumbled upon something. Yeah, this was the one that I like the most so far, but... I know there's not a lot of evidence for it. There's nothing. So the last theory is the missing men theory. If you have been listening to our podcast, you will know that women have been going missing in the Okanagan based on our Tracy Genero episode. And if you have listened to our Marshall Iwasa episode, you will know that men have also been going missing around British Columbia in strange ways, especially the area in which we are talking about today, Merritt. So in the interior of British Columbia, men... Usually younger men are going missing at an alarming rate. In fact, six have gone missing suspiciously in the last three years, including Ben Tyner. Yeah, just last month, Darcy Wilde went missing in Squamish and his car was found, but he was not. Just like Marshall. Yeah. In at least five of these cases, the missing person's vehicle was found either intact or completely burnt out. In one of those cases, it was clearly a drug-related crime. Um, however, in Ben's case, we only know that his horse was found. Yeah, so there's no link between any of these cases thus far. And while I agree that there is a lot of commonality with how the vehicles were discovered, at least enough for seasoned true crime listeners to speculate, I, I don't really see Ben's case being connected, but it is something to think about. Yeah, oddly, I just came across another missing person case from 2013 that was another ranch worker in Merritt. But... Mm -hmm. That's 2013. That's six years ago. I don't, I, I don't know. There's just so many men going missing in this one area. Like it's, yeah. it's very, it's just really weird for me. Well, in these areas, I mean, if, you know, when you think about the geography of British Columbia, we've yeah. got some major cities with, you know, Kamloops, Victoria, Vancouver, Nanaimo. And yeah. then you've got huge swaths of rural mountainous 
yeah, like the vast land. majority of this province is complete wilderness. Yeah. And this province uh, especially is so rugged that, you know, when people go missing out there. It's hard to find them. Uh, yeah. So that's it. Those are the theories that we have. Uh, and, you know, we're not investigative journalists or detectives. So that's honestly the best that we could come up with. And, and until the RCMP make an arrest or release some information, this is all we know. Yeah. And like we said at the start of this episode, this case creates more questions than answers. There's like, I mean, somebody could say aliens and I'd be like, oh, yeah, I guess we got to put that on the table at this point because we just don't know. Yeah. There's no evidence pointing to anything. So at this point in an episode, we usually want to provide an opportunity for our listeners to help. Um, there is a Facebook page called Missing Ben Tyner, but if you join it, please read the rules. The family is not looking to have people post theories or rumors on the page. Um, it's a it's become more of a place of remembrance uh, and honor for their missing loved one. So instead of that, we're going to ask you to share Ben Tyner's missing poster along with this episode. Let's do our best to just keep Ben in the conversation. As a listener base, you do an amazing job of sharing um, our episodes. Our Jordan Holling episode and Marshall Lawaza episodes were, were shared so much. Mm -hmm. And I think it really, really did help to keep them in the conversation. So we will post Ben's missing poster on our Facebook page. Before we wrap up, we want to share this post from Ben's mother, Jen, from July 26th, 2020. A year and a half. 18 months, 78 weeks, 548 days, countless hours, endless minutes, still no Ben, still no answers, still no peace. We have been in contact with RCMP and the FBI in recent weeks. They assure us that they are working diligently on Ben's case. Unfortunately, they don't tell us much as they don't want anything to get out that could hurt their case. We pray for answers to come. We pray for someone to step up and say something. We pray for Ben to come home. Your prayers, posts, and well wishes help us each day. We have come to depend on them. We will keep you updated as we learn any information concerning Ben. Stay safe and healthy. At the time of his disappearance, Ben Tyner was six foot three, 240 pounds, with brown eyes and dark brown hair with a beard. He is a rancher so we believe he was dressed for the weather, probably had proper gear on. He often wears a black and red woolen hat with ear flaps. Anyone with information is asked to call the Merritt RCMP at 250-378-4262 or Crime Stoppers at 1-800-222-8477. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode. Don't forget to tell a friend about True North True Crime. We'll be back again in two weeks with another episode. But until then, stay safe, everyone. Stay safe, you guys. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. 
Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.